0: Welcome to the Yogi MD Podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Dr. Mimi Secor, board-certified family nurse practitioner specializing in women's health located in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. She is also a national speaker, consultant, educator, and an author. Her most recent work is Debut a New You, Transforming Your Life at Any Age.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Nadine Kelly, for inviting me on your show. I'm so excited.
0: Can you please start off by telling us about your fascinating background?
1: Sure. So I started as a nurse practitioner at age 22. I didn't even know what a nurse practitioner was. I just knew I wanted to help patients in a more detailed way. I wanted to take a more active role in their care. So I've had 42 years of clinical practice, and most recently I've transitioned into health and fitness. But before that, I've worked in so many different settings, and early in my career, I fell in love with women's health. I used to see so many women in the emergency room and urgent care. I just decided that's going to be my focus. And I have two women's health textbooks. I speak on women's health all around the country. It seems as though my speaking career is getting busier and busier, which is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. And I've transitioned from clinical practice just recently into a virtual practice where I'm teaching and coaching nurse practitioners and other healthcare professionals to get healthy.
0: That's fabulous. Congratulations on your new endeavors. It just seems like you keep learning and growing. And and that's wonderful. Being a fellow lifelong learner, I can definitely appreciate that. I
1: know you are. So (laughs) kindred spirits, Nadine.
0: (laughs) Why did you want to help women?
1: You know, in the emergency room, I always felt like I would be assigned to the women that had abdominal pain and problems down there. And whatever the problem was, it didn't seem as though the residents were clamoring to see these patients. Hmm. And I realized that I didn't learn much about women's health in my family program. So I really had to kind of ramp up my knowledge and expertise. But I found interacting with women in the emergency room was just so gratifying. And then I happened to run into a Midwife, and she had her own practice in Massachusetts, which was unusual back in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And she and I became fast friends, and she caught, taught me so much more about women's health and also how to have an independent practice, which is exactly what I ventured out to do after I left the emergency room.
0: What do you love about being a nurse practitioner?
1: I love ha- being able to play an active role in helping women feel empowered about their bodies and their health. So I'm a show and tell kind of person. Mm -hmm. I have always handed a mirror to patients when they have pap smears and shown them exactly what's going on down there. I believe that I'm a partner with them. I want to empower them to know more about their bodies, to Mm -hmm. feel better about their bodies, and not just provide care. I don't want to do something to a patient. I want to do I want to see the patient with them. I want, want them to be a partner in their
0: health care. What a lovely way to say that. Oh, thank you, Nadine. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: you know what? There's a lot of doing to patients these days because we're having to see patients so quickly. Mm-hmm. But even when we see patients quickly, if we can take a few minutes to connect person to person without looking at the electronic medical record and make that connection, patients think it's a longer amount of time. It might only be one minute but they'll feel like you really care more about them than if you just sit down at the computer and start, you know, working the keyboard and darting your eyes back and forth from the patient to the keyboard.
0: I agree. We still need to feel like we're cared for, especially when we're afraid, when we don't yeah. understand what's going on. So it, it right. really and we
1: don't have a ga- We have a paper gown on usually, and we're, you know, half naked. We don't appreciate how vulnerable patients feel.
0: Are there particular issues or health concerns that you see in women commonly?
1: Well, I just transitioned out of clinical practice. So shortly after I earned my doctoral degree, Mm -hmm. I was unfortunately laid off from a practice where I had worked for nearly 10 years. So I now have a virtual practice working with my colleagues to help them become healthy and fit, usually individuals struggling with their weight, usually women that are older. But not always. Okay. So that's kind of the new age way to have a virtual practice, right? Mm-hmm. So it's online now. But who I really like to work with now are women that really are struggling with their weights, but know they want to get healthy and fit, but just feel like they haven't come up with a solution. They haven't figured out a way to solve their own problems.
0: What advice do you find yourself giving women the most concerning their well-being?
1: Well, when I worked in women's health, I think that the biggest challenge was helping women trust themselves and understand their bodies oh, that's there interesting seems to, seems to be a lot of fighting with bodies especially women fight with their bodies they want them thinner they want them this they want them that they don't understand vaginal discharge they don't they think that contraception is the enemy i mean there's just a lot of battling going on with patients and their bodies and i believe that we can help them feel better about themselves especially If we point out positive aspects during the visit, like, wow, you look really healthy. When I listen to your lungs, they sound healthy. There's just not a lot of that going on in clinical practice these days. It seems like all we do is point out the negative.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I think we're just disease-focused. I really think that, you know, especially as we have to work faster, we're just thinking about what's wrong and how do we fix what's wrong.
0: And so why do you think women in particular are so (laughs) versed in pointing out the negative and and paying attention to flaws instead of what's right with their bodies?
1: That's ah, that's a million trillion dollar question. I mean, I think it's so cultural. I think it's how we're raised. We're especially healthcare professionals. We have a perfectionism kind of problem. If we can't do everything perfectly, we don't want to do it at all. Mm -hmm. That can get in the way of accomplishing our health and fitness goals, because if we don't have two to three hours in the gym, we can't go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And also just dealing with, I think, the other pieces. We as women have a lot of excuses. We have no time. We've tried this. We've tried that. We've tried everything. We don't have the money. We don't have the energy, whatever it is, rather than realizing we have enough. We have everything we need. Uh, but I think women are really shocked when I say to them, how much time do you have from the point at which you make a healthy decision, an intention to do something healthy, till your mind starts talking you out of it? Do you know what that amount of time is, Nadine?
0: I don't, actually.
1: Five seconds. Really? So our minds want homeostasis. They want to stay the same. And that's why habit is so important. If mm-hmm. you can go through the discomfort of setting, establishing a healthy habit, it's not the intensity. It's just the habit itself that matters the most. Then oftentimes you can kind of go on automatic. The habits will kick in and override that mind that tries to talk you out of eating healthy, doing healthy things, going to sleep a little bit earlier, whatever that resistance is.
0: It's so interesting you bring that up. I was just talking to a friend of mine, my personal trainer, and he was lamenting over a client he recently had, a woman. Mm -hmm. She started with him, I think she did maybe two or three sessions. He thought they were going to continue, but Unfortunately, she decided to stop. And the reason she gave is because a friend of hers told her, discouraged her, said that this is not the right time of year to try to attempt to get healthy and focus on weight loss. And she listened. That's terrible.
1: You know what I say about this time of year? It's the perfect time to make changes. You know why? Mm. Because I believe that you should start making changes in the chaos of your life Mm -hmm. so that when the going gets tough, you can ramp up your self-care. That's what we need to do to prevent Mm yo-yoing. We need, as our stress level goes up, to take care of ourselves better. And if we learned how to do that at an early age and refined that over our lives, we wouldn't yo-yo as much.
0: So isn't it important then to find a, a support system that is positive?
1: Totally. So friends that talk you out of those kinds of healthy habits and healthy intentions are not your friends. Part of my book addresses environment, and environment includes physical environment, friends, where you go out to eat. If you're on a vacation, do you have to just let the wheels fall off your wagon in terms of healthy habits? No. Hmm. I'm going on a cruise on Saturday, and my plan is not to gain any weight whatsoever, even though the average is, what, three to five pounds? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not doing that. I'm going for healthy protein, healthy vegetables, A little bit of fruit here and there and a very rare indulgence. But you have to be fully committed to yourself. And many women are not fully committed to themselves because they, and men too, haven't worked through a lot of issues. That's why mindset is so important. That's why another big chunk of my book is on mindset. Mm -hmm. And all the traps our minds will set for us.
0: Another interesting area, in my experience, is using the excuses of not having enough time to go get a mammogram or thinking that it's not important enough to go get a pap smear or HPV testing. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Sure, Nadine. Well, you know how we are as women. Unless we learn otherwise, we put everyone else first. Mm-hmm. And what I really point out to my audiences and even to a person I'm talking to one-on-one is that you will serve others better when you meet your own needs. You can serve from an empty vessel, but you will be angry, Mm -hmm. frustrated, very unhappy, and Mm -hmm. that comes through in your interactions with other people. When you yourself have interacted with a clinician that looks like they really have joy in their heart, and they just seem like they're really there for you, Mm -hmm. what does that feel like versus interacting with a burnt out clinician?
0: Well, I purposely seek out a clinician who looks at me as a person. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to find those people. But it's a search.
1: It is a search, but sometimes in urgent care or in other settings, you don't have a choice. You have to see the person. Yes. And I usually can tell right away if they're taking care of themselves or not. Mm -hmm. And that has a therapeutic effect or a counter-therapeutic effect. I think clinicians need to get their responsibility to bring a positive energy to that patient interaction.
0: So let's talk about your transformation
1: Age 59, I decide to... Earn my doctoral degree. Who does that? I mean my <laughs> friends are getting ready to retire. They're like, What are you doing? Are you crazy? <laughs> my buddy from high school, she's like, You are out of your mind. So I sign up to do this because I just have to, because it's always been on my list of things that I want to do. Okay. And so I'm in my first semester and man am I stressed out. I read an assignment and I think, oh, I am gonna flunk. This is a problem. I need more carbs, I need less sleep. I was really stressed and I was fun- I was adapting in a very unhealthy way my daughter happened to be home at the time getting ready to for a show she was looking to become a pro bodybuilder Mm -hmm. for about three years to do that and she kind of had to hunker down with us for a while just to keep her life as stress as low stress as possible she called me out one day she said what are you doing I said, I'm studying. I don't even have time to talk to you. She goes, no, Mom, you're not a healthy role model. You're just crashing and burning just like you always do when your life is stressed out. You're not an authentic healthy role model. You're a hypocrite. It just freaked me out. Oh, my. <laughs> like she hit me. It was like a stake in my heart. And, but I did realize that I had a very, very bad habit. When times were good, I could lose weight, get healthy. When times were stressful, I'd crash and burn and start all over again, which, as we all know, yo-yoing is not good for our bodies. Mm -hmm. So she said, I can help you. I said, nah, check in with me in two years. I, I don't have the time for that. But she persisted, and she helped me make very small but really consistent changes in my eating, my exercise, my sleep, all of that, how I organized my work, she just kept chipping away, chipping away. She'd say, Mom, we can do this simply and easily. I was like, no, we can't. <laughs> I was so resistant. But I graduated 30 pounds lighter, 12 inches of fat off my waist. And a year later, I was in a my first bodybuilding competition myself. And then shortly after that, I wrote a book about how to get healthy and fit at any age.
0: Oh, my goodness. And, and what was your <laughs> doctoral
1: in? It was as a nurse practitioner, okay. and it was – we're trying to get more and more nurse practitioners to earn doctoral degrees, Mm. and I actually looked at menopause education of primary care providers, Mm -hmm. and my hypothesis was they don't get much in women's health, especially in menopause, so I – documented the deficit, gave them a standardized educational module developed by the North American Menopause Mm -hmm. Society, Mm -hmm. and then a month later, we tested that they had remembered some of what they learned, and so now I, in my free time, develop individual women's health modules that I have on the internet that universities and individuals can purchase to add to the curriculum of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program to supplement it so I feel like I made a difference
0: and I actually did have the opportunity to go and take a look at a couple of your videos um very very informative um to the point and un- very approachable you one of them in particular I watched was the one about as I mentioned earlier wire pap smears and important. HPV screening testing important yes Can you talk about different health screenings uh, just briefly and and why they are important to women, especially as we're growing older?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, we know the pap smear screenings have changed. We now do those every three years for women in their 20s, -hmm. and then we switch over to every five years if the HPV test is added to the pap smear. Mm -hmm. If both tests are negative, they don't have a 0% risk of developing cervical cancer, but it's close to it. That's why that five-year interval is actually safe. There's a lot of mythology about how people think that it's just financially driven, but it's actually very safe. Mm -hmm. When women reach 65, they can stop screening, but new research just came out indicating if women are high risk because they haven't had regular screenings or maybe they have a history of abnormal pap smears, Mm -hmm. they should continue screening. That should be considered. That's a brand new recommendation. And for that matter, I think 65 is very young. So I will opt to have continued screening. Now, some women that come in for health care, they're using a walker or a cane or practically in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. at 65. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge continuum of healthy to less healthy in that category. And we as clinicians need to kind of hone in on what seems realistic for our individual patients. Mammography. That's pretty controversial because I, I probably think that you know about these guidelines from the United States Preventative Services Task Force that came mm-hmm. out a couple of years ago mm-hmm. recommending mammograms start at age 50. Well, that leaves women in their 40s in the lurch. So, And women in their 40s that develop breast cancer often have more aggressive, less survivable courses. Of illness. The American Cancer Society came out almost instantly after those United States Preventative Services Task Force guidelines and recommended screening start at age 45, even recommending age 40 if women opt for that or their history indicates the need. Mm-hmm. So that's a good example of when clinicians are making decisions with their patients, they need to follow the right guidelines. And so when I teach at conferences or at universities, I always make sure, look, these are, represent, I present the conflicting guidelines and say, but we recommend that you follow the American Cancer Society guidelines and this is why. And then share the science with them.
0: Absolutely. So and
1: and breast, ca- breast cancer screenings are both very important.
0: Mm-hmm. Women
1: don't realize over 4,000 women still die each year in this country alone from cervical cancer.
0: And so these screenings are important because we're talking prevention. We can catch things early.
1: Exactly. Because we know cervical cancer develops over many years. It's Mm -hmm. not like a sudden phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Uterine cancer is a little different. Sometimes there aren't that many symptoms, and women can have pretty advanced situation clinically. That's why I always say if a woman postmenopausally has one drop of bleeding after she's gone into menopause, that is beyond one year since her last menstrual period, and this isn't just me, this is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they recommend a referral to OBGYN to rule out uterine cancer because 9% of women postmenopausally with abnormal vaginal bleeding have been found to have uterine cancer. So that's big, and that just came out. That's late-breaking. I would read mystery novels because I love them, but instead I just study, 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 so I make sure that my presentations are up to date.
0: (laughs) Well, the guidelines are definitely always changing, and that's because (laughs) new clinical information is coming out and studies. So we want to stay on the cusp of what the new uh, and accurate developments are, definitely. Um, Yes,
1: and that's harder and harder these days. You used to be able to present uh, a slide presentation and not change it but once a year. (laughs) (laughs)
0: what are some common misconceptions that you have heard uh, by women about their sexual health
1: oh man i would say probably the most outstanding complaint since i have a subspecialty in vulvovaginal problems including pain with intercourse is probably that women think vaginal discharge of any kind is abnormal like it might not even be itchy. It might not have an odor. It may be what we call physiologic, and mm-hmm. they'll think it's abnormal. Anything coming out is abnormal. And I just think we drop the ball on young women. We tell them about maybe about their periods. Usually they learn something about their periods, but they don't learn that their vaginas are going to produce mucus mm-hmm. and what that looks like mm-hmm. and what that is that's normal compared to what's abnormal. So I've found over the years that's a huge area. I also think another huge area of confusion is just around birth control. Mm. I just don't think they understand the different methods. They don't understand if they're harmless, harmful or not. A lot of mythology around does the pill cause cancer or not? And is it okay to stop your periods with contraception or not? A lot of mythology around emergency contraception for sure. And definitely a lot of misinformation about intrauterine contraceptives. It's sad that in this country we have a very low rate of use of long-acting reversible contraceptives, Mm -hmm. probably because of being burned by the Delcon Shield and the old copper 7 intrauterine devices, but it is taking a very long time to kind of get patients and clinicians back up to speed on the new devices and the new data related to the devices.
0: Is it misunderstandings because of lack of education and understanding, or are there cultural implications too in terms of con- and beliefs in terms of using contraception or not and understanding the differences? I think
1: all the above, Nadine. I think there's a lot of uh, cultural and even community misconceptions, misconceptions passed down by family members sisters aunts mothers grandmothers you look at douching that's a great example of how Mm. that habit is kind of passed down to the next generation and i always tell my audiences look the vagina is a self-cleaning oven you don't even have to push a button it just knows how to clean itself and oh by the way Douching removes everything in the vagina—the good, the bad, and the ugly yes. bacteria. You mm-hmm. want you want that good bacteria in there, mm-hmm. and you also want to have some mucus come out of your vagina. If I have a patient with a really good sense of humor, sometimes I say, "Look, your mouth salivates, and you're lucky you can swallow. Unless you're a <laughs> baseball player, in which case you might spit." But the vagina can't. It also produces mucus, but it can't swallow. It has to come out. Uh, they have to have a good sense of humor for that. But honestly, that can be a revelation to women. They just don't know that that's normal. Hmm. That's a lot. It, there is a lot of information that patients just lack. You even look at immunizations like the HPV vaccination. Yes. And how prevalent the myth that it causes autism is. Mm-hmm. And you Google the HPV vaccination on the Internet, and man, Dr. Google will tell you all about how bad it is.
0: There is a lot of misconception about the effectiveness or harm that HPV can cause, the vaccination can cause. Um, Exactly. And I've even heard from personal experience, someone told me once that um, he was very Catholic, very religious, and so Mm -hmm. he said that he didn't want to give his daughters permission to have sex before marriage by providing the HPV vaccine.
1: I think that's irrelevant. I think the whole point is it prevents potentially three cancers. I think the message to parents needs to be, look, we have a vaccination that can help prevent at least one cancer, possibly three cancers, and, oh, by the way, your your kid, your child is, you know, due for X, Y, and Z vaccinations today. Uh, and I also recommend patients and clinicians go to the CDC for their information on immunizations. And that's the most evidence-based location that they're going to find. Mm-hmm. And a lot of information on the web is not accurate. If the, if the vaccination was really linked to autism, the CDC would be all over that. Hmm. Seriously, all over that. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. so careful with immunizations.
0: What about in terms of an older population? What are a a couple of misconceptions that you can think of that an older population might have?
1: I think the most common probably is that you can stop going to see Mm -hmm. see your Mm OBGYN. But it actually is really important to continue either seeing primary care, including the pelvic area, Mm -hmm. or OBGYN as you get older. For number one, the concerns around cancer increasing as we get older. Mm -hmm. And certainly, We worry about ovarian cancer more as women are older, uterine cancer, colon cancer. All of those can be potentially detected earlier if women are getting regular health screenings, Mm -hmm. including colonoscopy. That's something that still a lot of women don't want to get. And even internal exams. I mean, you're not going to identify palpable ovaries in postmenopausal women unless you do an internal examination.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: that could save a woman's life.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yet a lot of internal medicine... Clinicians don't do the pelvic exam after women reach the age of 65, which I think is crazy.
0: And how would you counsel a woman who is too embarrassed or feels a sense of shame when she is in her ob office and maybe has a concern?
1: I think the way to approach it is just treat the woman as though this is natural her body is part of who she is and point out positive aspects of her health and her body when you examine also before you even examine ask have you had a traumatic event in your life are you okay with gyn exams that's kind of wow. my catch-all phrase yes are you okay with gyn exams we know one out of three women have had some kind of sexual assault mm. um, sexual threat so It is a very common problem. When I ask that question, I look at their visceral self to see Mm. what kind of the reaction is. They may not tell you the truth until they've developed a rapport with you. I had a woman I was connected with for years as a patient. And man, when she finally told me what she had experienced in her youth, it was overwhelming Mm. even for me. Hmm. And it took her a very long time to share with me. It was that trust that needed to be established over time. So sometimes that first visit, you're not going to get the reveal, Mm -hmm. the great reveal. Mm -hmm. But you can still treat that patient with extreme respect and also help them understand that their body is you know, theirs. And that's why I've always used a mirror. I've always pointed positive aspects out during the GYN exam. I always point out something positive before I say anything that I'm concerned about. I'm real careful about how I say things that I might be concerned
0: about. So it's really important, again, to find a clinician with whom you can establish rapport and trust and comfort because it probably is one of the most vulnerable visits that you can have. It
1: is, absolutely. And they need to be, you need to feel like they're approachable, that you can ask questions, that you feel comfortable with them comfortable enough to take your clothes off Mm -hmm. i mean that that requires the clinician really have good skills and again take care of themselves because if they bring negative energy to that visit that is so counterproductive it is not going to work with someone who's been traumatized or who has any issues i mean it's really a patient safety issue around taking care of ourselves and it's a patient it's an obligation i think we have
0: being in the healthcare profession is uh, very demanding, and it can be overwhelming as yes. a healthcare yes. provider. So you've started to touch upon ways that you've taken care of yourself. So why and how have you done that?
1: Well, I've learned that it's not good to skip meals. It is better to eat on a regular basis something than to skip meals. You won't think as clearly. You're more likely to make errors And you're more likely to get very angry and and frustrated clinically. Mm -hmm. So I I started doing that. I started eating no matter what, drinking no matter what. And if you drink water, then you're going to have to use the bathroom. And guess what? You have the right to go to the bathroom. (laughs) You should not have to Kegel all day long (laughs) to see the patients in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. I know how it is. Mm -hmm. I spent most of my career giving up my basic needs to see one more patient, one more patient. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you have a similar experience. Mm -hmm. So when we work with students, we teach them efficient ways to meet their needs at work and before and after work. How are they going to engineer their week so they can get some exercise in? Maybe it happens on their days off. Maybe it happens before they go to work. More than likely, it's not going to happen after work because work is so demanding. We're pretty vegetative after we're done.
0: What we're about, about sleep? sleep? Yeah.
1: And sleep is key. I mean, I've started setting an alarm to go to bed. I don't know about you, Nadine, Mm. but I like to work at night. I get wound up at night get working on projects because it's quiet, email's quiet, everything's quiet. But I realize that I need close to eight hours of sleep every night to Mm -hmm. optimally function Mm -hmm. and also to maintain my weight. So we know when cortisol levels go up, which happens when we don't sleep enough, then we're going to store more calories. So we have focused tremendously on that with our students in fact, sleep was our topic last week for class, our online class, and everyone had issues. And also, we have to remember, this is when our immune systems really do their work, when we recharge our muscles and our bodies and, and our brains. brains. Our mm-hmm. sleep is sacred. It's essential to our functioning.
0: Well, I think screen time, too, oh, interrupts yeah. that. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. We have to stop screen time an hour beforehand, including our phones. Yes. That light from
0: the screens, yeah, it's toxic. Can you tell us about your book?
1: So as a result of my journey and working with my daughter, we realized we were onto something. If we could crack my metabolism, my stubborn metabolism, with the system that she used with me, we could offer help to others. particularly others that are like me, really super stressed clinically. So that's why we focused on nurse practitioners. But honestly, we're equal opportunity in terms of being open to other types of students as well. But we mostly work with women. So the book is a how-to guide. Debut a new you is how to change your life at any age. And it addresses nutrition, exercise, mindset, and environment. Mindset is a big piece of it because if you don't have your brain on right, You are not going to be able to execute new habits. You're not going to be able to be consistent. And you're not going to be committed.
0: Wonderful. Is there anything else that I might be missing that you'd like to talk about?
1: Well, I think we've gone through a lot, Nadine. We have. (laughs) I would encourage the listeners, if they're really keen on changing their lives, that they can have a free consult with us. They can just download my app. Go as though you were texting a friend, and you text the message Doctor Mimi D R M I M I. Your telephone, your number is thirty six twenty six zero. So that's thirty six twenty six zero. Then you can install it on your phone and reach us anytime. It'll take you to social media, our web pages. If I can do it, you can do it.
0: That is the reason why I've been so inspired to do this podcast is to hear people's stories, a real person who has had an issue and thought that it was insurmountable, but with a positive attitude, figured it out, as we all can. Absolutely.
1: And we can't do it alone. We may think we can do it alone, but we cannot do it alone. We need to create community for ourselves, Mm -hmm. and we deserve it. Mm -hmm. You, You, listener, you deserve it. A community. Don't be alone. Reach out and get help. And Nadine, thank you so much for doing this podcast because there are people that really need to hear your message and hear our messages. And if I can change my life, you as the listener can change your life too. I'm 64 and I'm planning on staying healthy as long as I possibly can.
0: It is never too late. It is never, never, ever. ever too late. So what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy?
1: I think that if we are healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, then we have joy in our heart, and we bring that to our lives. We have more gratitude, more self-confidence, more positive self-image, and we're going to naturally be more successful. So I think it's a package deal, what health is. Definitely a package deal.
0: Marvelous. Thank you very much. You have a marvelous day.
1: Fantastic. All right. You keep doing what you're doing. I'm very inspired by your work.
0: Likewise.
1: <laughs> yes. All right, Nadine. Happy holidays.
0: Okay, same to you.
1: All Bye. Bye.
0: And now it's time for practical tips. It's a brand new year. Let's reject the stereotypical New Year's resolution that's all or nothing. Mind tip set a doable small-scale goal. Body tip, pick an activity you like. Experiment. Spirit tip, surround yourself with a supportive social network, but ultimately, you have to support, love, and believe in yourself first. Thanks for being here. See you next time.